Welcome to the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. Our aim of the show is to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. I want to thank you so, so much for joining me today and the many things that you do out in the world to dismantle racism, whether it's an act of writing a letter or interrupting racism when you see it occurring or simply just being kind to someone who looks differently than you. And so I thank you so much again for all that you do. I also want to just invite you to go to my website, sacredintelligence.com, take a look at all the things that I have to offer there to help and to support you on your journey to dismantling racism. I have a course that's coming up on September 14th. Would love for you to join me for that. Go to sacredintelligence.com and find out more about that particular course. I want to begin today as I always do, by having us to simply set the stage for this important conversation that we're going to have, I want to invite us to really plant our feet on the floor or on the ground, wherever you might be. Take a moment to close your eyes, if you would. And if you're sitting, just really be conscious of the chair that is underneath you. And really find your breath. Take a moment to breathe in and out. To transition for what you were doing before you began listening to this particular episode. Breathe in and out, finding your breath, connecting you with who you are. Connecting you with your inner being, your sacred intelligence, that part of you that helps you to manifest your greatness. Breathe in and out, knowing that as you manifest your greatness, you will help others to manifest their greatness. Breathe in and out that you are not alone. You are supported by the sacred, the universe, your source. You are supported by other people who are on the journey with you. Breathe in and out knowing that you have all the resources you need to accomplish what you set out to do. Breathe in and out, knowing that you are connected with life itself, with every part of the universe, every part of the planet. Know that you are love itself and you are loved. Breathe in and out, embracing that supreme love. Breathe in and out knowing that the power of one contributes to the power of community. You are capable of changing the status quo. 
Take a deep breath in and out. Connecting again with who you are and connecting with the words, I am. And just sitting in that space for a moment and finding the word that resonates for you with I am. Breathe in that word and know that that word helps to define your mindset, helps to determine the decisions that you will make in life, and it helps you to determine whether it's time for you to make a change. So breathe in. Breathe out. And now take another deep breath in. Sigh it out. And let's begin. It is so wonderful for us to be able to connect with our breath, especially when we are doing the work of dismantling racism. For those of us who do this work all the time, whether we're doing training or facilitating workshops or using situations for teachable moments, it can be overwhelming. But even if you aren't doing trainings and you're just engaged in the work of dismantling racism by looking at what goes on in your home or your community or even within yourself when you're having to deal with racism so often, we need to be reminded to take a breath, to return to that sacred part of us, to know that we're defined by more than just the color of our skin, more than just the work that we do, more than just the ways in which we're showing up in the world as it currently relates to whatever is happening in our lives. Always go back to your breath. When we're doing the work of dismantling racism, it is really important for us to take care of ourselves. If you will notice when I do the radio show, I often start out by asking my guests whether they have a sacred practice. How do they take care of themselves on the journey of dismantling racism? And often they will go back to, you know, whether they do meditation, do yoga, read a book, jog, it's important for you to find ways in which to release the pressures of racism, the pressures of your everyday life. You cannot do the work of dismantling racism if you do not take care of yourself. Why? Because you will become depleted spiritually, emotionally, psychologically, even socially. You won't want to hang out with your friends. You won't want to do anything because you're depleted. It is important to learn how to take care of yourself through the process. And it's also important for you to learn how to close off your energy so that you're not wide open and that people just decide that they want to talk with you about every event that they experience. And it could be related to race or not. I once gave a two-day workshop. 
And this workshop was strictly about dismantling racism. So imagine doing two full days of talking about nothing but racism. And there were people who wanted to be there and there were people who didn't because the company kind of required their employees to attend. So I got on a plane and for two hours, this woman talked to me about her personal problems because I did not close myself off. And can you imagine how tired I was after dealing with, you know, participants who wanted to be there, some who didn't want to be there and just doing this work, but I did not close myself off. That does not mean that we have to be nasty to people, but we must find a way of protecting ourselves. Of course, I could have said to her, I've had a long day, lady, don't talk to me. But that's not who I am because I am a psychologist. So, and, and the funny thing about it is at the end, she asked me, well, what do you do? And I said, I'm a psychologist. And she said, well, can you tell I go to therapy? And I was like, uh, yeah, I can tell that you go to therapy. And if you don't, you need to go to therapy. But I want to be very clear. This work of dismantling racism requires self-care. And it also requires us having a supportive network, people who do this work, people that we can go to and we can talk to them about, wow, what a day I had. So whether that's when we're training or whether it's when we had something that we've had to deal with on our jobs or when we've gone into a store or some way of processing a conversation that we've had with our family, we need to have other individuals who will support us on the journey. And I'm very, very grateful to have many people that I can talk to about this. And I also know the importance, even within that, of setting boundaries sometimes for other folks who perhaps are not the supporters or um, or not the people that I talk to all the time for support, they may come because there might be a time that they want to express their frustration. It's equally important for us to also set boundaries. Like I said, I didn't set it with that lady, but it's really, really important for us to say, I appreciate that you want to talk with me about this, but I don't have the bandwidth to do that today. Or Particularly, here's another uh, thing that I want to just share as well. There are people when they know that you do this work, they want to pick your brain, but they may not want to hire you to do the work. No one needs to pick your brain for free. Let me say it again. No one needs to pick your brain for free. If they value doing the work, pay someone to help them understand how to dismantle racism. This work is valuable. Your time is valuable. My time is valuable. And if we engage in this work all the time, 24-7 with people calling to pick our brains about things, we never have time to even do the work that we are really passionate about doing. Let's say we're doing a workshop. It takes time to develop that. But if I have people picking my brain all the time, it doesn't give me time 
to put in the work I need to to develop the best course, the best curriculum. And even if it's already developed, I could be using my time doing something else as well. I think you get the point. Value the work that you do, value who you are and how you're showing up. Set boundaries, get support and take care of yourself. I am delighted that one of the people who supports me in this work, even though we just met, is my guest for today. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about her when we return from our break. But just to give you uh, a sense of the conversation today, we're actually going to be talking about starting with the self. I'm going to be talking with Waleska Lugo de Jesus. And I, again, will tell you more about her after the break. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. I'm your host, the Reverend Dr. TLC. We'll be right back. Are you a business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a conscious co-creator? Are you on a quest to raise your vibration and your consciousness? I'm Sam Leibowitz, your Conscious Consultant, and on my show, The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, we will touch upon all these topics and more. Listen live at our new time on Thursdays at 12 noon Eastern Time. That's The Conscious Consultant Hour, Awakening Humanity, Thursdays, 12 noon on talkradio.nyc. Are you on edge? Hey, we live in challenging, edgy times, so let's lean in. I'm Sandra Bargeman, the host of The Edge of Every Day, which airs each Monday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. Tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges. That's The Edge of Every Day on Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. back with the Dismantle Racism show. My guest today is Waleska Lugo de Jesus. She is the CEO of Inclusive Strategies. She's a nationally certified diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging facilitator dedicated to creating social change with a human-centered racial healing approach, addressing systemic racism for equitable environments. 
She has 20 years of advocacy for anti-racism work and is widely recognized for her innovative ability to broaden coalitions and build communities of inclusion. She serves as Massachusetts Women of Color founding board member, helping to address inequities through authentic inclusion. And she also serves as commissioner to Massachusetts Arts and Cultural Council. She has so many accolades for doing this work. I recently met uh, Waleska for an event that I was planning, and I feel like we're kindred spirits and just sisters already. Waleska, welcome to the show. I am so delighted to have you. Reverend Dr. TLC, I am honored uh, to be reconnected with you, to see you again to share the space in that sacred moment um, in our opening, to have been a part of your event, to enjoy your book um, and soak it in, uh, which is totally connected to, to my, my, um, my sharing today when, when I think about my own truth, my racial healing process and uh, having to learn about myself. Uh, I wanna start by uh, just your opening um, meditation and, and uh, understanding the need to have a sacred process um, and and practice. And mine has been for the past two decades, uh, every time I'm entering into a space, uh, I, I love how you shared uh, the different interactions. And, and when you're hosting a group of people, all of the energy that we take in um, as an empath also, uh, it, it can be uh, extremely draining. So I think about the visual of putting your oxygen first, right? When you're in the airplane uh, and how can I uh, uh, take in uh, the the presence of, of everyone's story at the same time, protect myself. So some things that I do is uh, I make sure not to watch TV two days before the event. I know that I have to isolate myself in a room for maybe one day. Uh, and, and I took on spinning uh, as, as a way to uh, release. So uh, I wanted to share that if that helps anyone. Mm. But uh, I, I appreciate your, your intro. Um, I, I want to say that I identify as an Afro-Latinx social impact entrepreneur, although people call me an activist and equalist, what I'm really trying to do is just make sure that we can all exist in a world where our humanity is valued. Yes. You know, the one thing that people don't seem to realize um, is that we're whole when we are connected with one another. We live in this space of othering folks, no matter what the reason is. It could be religion, it could be politics, but we are whole when we are able to come together. Um, I'm delighted, though, to, to hear all the ways in which you center and ground yourself. Um, and, and, I, and I happen to know, because uh, we've been in these spaces together, um, especially as we prepared for the event that um, you were a part of with me, there's a connectedness with your sacred source as well. And how valuable is that to you for doing this work? It's everything. Um, you know, the, the, the work for me was having to understand um, my truth first and, and making the conscious choice not to be victimized 
um, and find strength. You were also opening and saying your I am, I am. And I was thinking, what am I? What am I? And and my word was that I found in that moment is that I am strong. Yes. You know, we we go through, we we do this work. And what has helped me in the past two decades is that I use my lived experience as a way to um, my process is three. So it's humanity and humility helps me build trust. That's one. Um, the second, intimacy. I share my story. I hear your story. We're sharing those stories. And the third is gratitude. Mm. Being, um, being consciously um, aware that uh, sharing our stories and reliving some of these moments um, takes a toll. And so I care for you. You care for me. And we, um, and we share the space. Mm. So speaking of sharing the stories, when did you first realize that you're different? When did you first understand race and racism? Thank you for the question. I want to say um, it was two decades ago, and, and that was the pivotal moment of why I started this work. I was in my 20s, uh, my early 20s, and I worked in a um, a small mom and pop shop in Puerto Rico that got bought out by a global company and moved me to Ohio. And when I arrived to Ohio, um, although I loved my work and and my colleagues, um, it it was a it was a global business, so it was very diverse. So you know, I was just thinking that I was going to fit in. And and different things happened to me. Uh, so, you know, everything from uh, people questioning uh, what I was eating, how my food smelled. Uh, so, you know, it's like my cultural traditional uh, meals. Mm-hmm. Um, I went into restaurants and I wouldn't be served. Uh, and then um, a white female behind me walked in and, you know, I was told that the kitchen was closed and she was, they took her order and served her. I remember um, one time uh, going into what is like a, a, a big supermarket in Ohio and uh, a gentleman at the door telling me, no, 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 like I can't go in. And it was the middle of the day. I know that it's not closed. He wasn't identified as an employee. And uh, he raises his uh, slacks and his pants and he points to his white uh, socks. And so what he was telling me basically is you can't go in because you're not white. Wow. And, and those I I now know, right, that those those um, um, those microaggressions that 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 racialized acts uh, that discrimination was happening to me on a daily basis and that's where I became aware, what is it about me that either, you know, scares, intimidates, or people just don't feel comfortable with. Mm. And so for me, I, my, what I, what I had to do is really own my story. And in mm. order to own my story, I needed to understand my history. I was taught history a different way in Puerto Rico that, you know, Christopher Columbus saved us. Well, he didn't. Right. <laughs> and, uh, and so I had to learn about colonization. I had to learn about genocide. I had to learn about slavery, Jim Crow, um, the civil rights movement that eventually, to answer the question directly, you know, in, in my own experience with racism, um, I was inspired to uh to do this work. And, and, and so I use my own experience. I use my, my stories as a way to build trust um, and to help heal. 
so what did it what did it feel like for you? I mean, I I know as a person of color what it feels like when these microaggressions are happening, and sometimes they're not actually microaggressions. Okay. It, tell me what it what it what it felt like for you when you started to realize that because I imagine you know you're in Puerto Rico, like when you grow up within your culture or you're surrounded by you you may not face these things as much as you do when you go out, and it's such a shocker for yeah. some. Right. Even though you know about it. So what what was it like for you? It was dehumanizing. It was dehumanizing. Um, You know, the 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 emotion I felt was uh, sometimes defensive. Uh, Many times in the beginning, while I learned to manage um, how to react and disrupt, um, I felt my heart, you know, was about to explode from my chest. And, um, and so I, I was having physical reaction, I was having emotional reaction. And, um, and the only way I knew to heal was to understand, okay, so even, even so in Puerto Rico, maybe I didn't experience racism, but I experienced colorism. So I, I identify uh, as an Afro Puerto Rican and, and I self-identify as black if I had to choose within my senses of black and white, because I, I, I don't feel that I identify as white. Um, and because of my background, you know, I had to prove that, um, from Puerto Rico, I'm a citizen of the U S and, um, I'm, I, I'm, I use bilingualism, you know, I, I do Spanglish, I talk in English and in Spanish, which is an advantage in, in, in the workplace now. Um, but, you know, in, in this, in the eighties, it, it really wasn't. Um, I come from a bicultural family. So uh, although all of these things have to do with my identity and the complexity of who I am and why I was waking up to that reality of, of not being treated equally, that is just a glimpse of who 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 I am in the context of, of of the history and my account for my experience. So, I remember myself um, in that moment as um, you know, uh, learning to be as human as I could be, so people could feel comfortable with me. Yeah. So there's a lot of um, navigating that yeah. we have to do that I don't think people realize just on a day-to-day basis. So I heard you say something around helping other people to feel comfortable. Um, that's a that's another um, topic, I, I would say, but you, you talked a lot, and we will get into this internalized racism piece as well in, in just a bit. We are going to have to take a break. Um, you know, I do want to just make a comment about this colorism piece because I've talked about it on the show here before. And I often will hear people, uh, especially people who come from other uh, countries or maybe other islands, they'll say, oh, no, we we don't have uh, racism. And I actually think colorism is racism. Yeah. Right. You know, and and so I, I think that when you get into internalized racism, you'll probably talk about that a bit more. But it's all about trying to get to to the whiteness piece, right? When we yep. say, "Oh, you know, you have lighter skin, so you're prettier," or "Oh, you, oh, I, I," and this one I really detest. Oh, you have good hair. Yeah. What is good? <laughs> what <hair>? is that? <laughs> right. But you know, you have hair on your head. It's good hair, and it's funny how how we cannot appreciate what we have. 
right? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes people who consider to have the good hair, like, no, I wish I had hair like yours because then I could do X, Y, and Z with my hair, right? So it really is going back to what you said about understanding who you are, mm-hmm. the complexities you bring, and understanding how we show up in the world and also not owning what other people think of us, which I'm sure we're going to get into with the healing process. We're going to take a break and we will be right back with my guest today, Waleska Lugo de Jesus. This is the Dismantle Racism Show. We'll be right back. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. Are you a small business trying to navigate the COVID-19 related employment laws? Hello, I'm Eric Sauver, employment law business law attorney and host of the new radio show, Employment Law Today. On my show, we'll have guests to discuss the common employment law challenges business owners are facing during these trying times. Tune in on Tuesday evenings from 5 p.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern time on talkradio.nyc. Hey everybody, it's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Sorry about that. We're back with the Dismantle Racism Show. And my guest today, Waleska Lugo de Jesus, has been talking about the work that um, she does with diversity, equity, and inclusion and belonging. But before even getting into what she's uh, what she does, she's talked about what led her to this process. And so now that we understand Waleska why you do this work, your passion around doing this work. I know that uh, in your work, you talk about the different forms of racism. And I think it's important for us to just get into that just a little bit um, during this segment. So talk to me about the different forms of racism. Thank you, Reverend Dr. TLC. So in my work, I I want to have a common understanding, right, of, of, of what this signifies. And also for people to understand that 
um, part of our earlier conversation, right? That we are conditioned. Uh, society has conditioned us to feel, react, um, stereotype, prejudice, bias uh, against any any anyone that is different. So the four forms of racism that I center my work around is internalized racism, interpersonal racism, institutional racism, and systemic racism. We were talking about um, uh, colorism, right, and and the impact. And 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 earlier, I was uh, sharing how you know my goal is to just have humanity value. Period, right? If we could simplify things, but what internalized uh, racism uh, and and what ties into the colorism, which is really assigning value to people or devaluing them just because of the color of my skin, right? When I was, when you were asking. Um, how did it feel for me? And it and and I I felt dehumanized. Um, but internalized racism is what we believe, what we believe about race, about about racism, and how we are influenced by culture and by society. So, if I were to divide those in two, because one of the things that I often say in so many spaces is that we are all affected by racism. Mm -hmm. Every single person is affected by racism. It doesn't matter if you're black or white, everyone is affected by racism. And so, um, you know, if we have, if we have a stereotype of that generalization of people um, that, that, that plays into what we internalize as human beings, if we have prejudice, that negative act against people, we internalize um, how we treat others. So there's internalized oppression right mm -hmm. as a person of color because people tell me that i'm not smart enough because people ask me you know well, because you're puerto rican you must have you know seven kids um or or you must not have a degree and 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 i and, and let me speak from the self which is i always advocate everyone to do speaking from the self i have been told so many times my sacrifices have been um, I have sacrificed jobs, right? Mm -hmm. I have seen other people get paid more than me uh, for doing the same amount of work, mm -hmm. um, either be a gender bias or or or, or other. Um, and 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 I have been told I, I, you're not good enough, or you speak good English, or you're not like them. Well, who is them, right? Nice. And so the more and and my and my my story of um, where you asked, you know, when did I? Um, when, when did I first know that I was different and and my that I was this racial being? Um, that work experience that I had was is just one story of more than two hundred um, mm -hmm. that I can share. But as as a person of color, as a Afro Puerto Rican, I can internalize that oppression, and so then I have a choice. Now that I've internalized it, am I going to accept it? And mm -hmm. your advice earlier. Mm -hmm. you can also reject it exactly. um, and then there's that internalized privilege right a white person thinking well I am superior I I am deserving mm -hmm. you know this is my space ignoring that systemically people are being oppressed not because you want to not because you don't you I don't feel that people are born entitled mm -hmm. um but there is the reality that that um that people have to understand that just because of the color of your skin does it has any nothing to do with your character how you love other people that you have one black friend that that just because of the color of your skin you are um privileged 
that's hard for people to understand. Um, mm-hmm. So, so when, so when I, when I talk about internalized racism, that's one. I talk about that we all form images, we all form feelings, we we all have thoughts about um, and race is socially construct, right? So we're using it because we have to use it, but. Um, good and bad, we create these thoughts about people. So my my wish for everyone is that you understand, which is the second part in uh, interpersonal uh, racism, that you have a responsibility of how you treat other people. Now that you understand that we all carry biases, I'm guilty. Mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. guilty. Uh, Reverend Dr. TLC, I cannot, I mean, I I served on more than 20 boards, commissions, committees. Um, and most of the time I was the only Latina, um, the only female, or oh, I always like to think that I look younger than everybody else. You know, the young. <laughs> <you know? laughs> I know. My guess is my guess is probably saying 20 years. She's been doing this 20 years. How could you? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm 40, turning 46. So, you know, so if I understand that I've internalized as a human being, all of these things that society has told me, and now I have a responsibility in the interpersonal racism because it exists, because we have bias. I, I don't feel bad about that. You know, yeah. I know that I walk into spaces and I feel that sometimes, oh, here we go again. I have to prove myself. And I, I, I'm doing this, snap out of it. But I check myself because I'm, I am hyper aware. Mm. But you know, I, I want to go back to something because you, before you, I mean, you know, finish with um, or go to the next one is this internalized racism is a subtle thing mm. that in our own cultures, we don't even know how we're doing. So even when we do the colorism piece, we don't recognize we're being, um, you know, uh, we've, we've gotten into this idea that white is better, mm-hmm. right? So that's why it's internalized racism. And when we think, you know, you're not you're not pretty because you're dark skin. I had someone to tell me very recently that they were never told in their family that they were pretty. And now they were told they were smart. They were told all these other things. But other folks who had lighter skin were told they were pretty. So it wasn't just about trying to teach this person that we don't give in to like this outside standard of beauty. And so as a result, they've had to do the work around understanding how beautiful they are. When we talk to people, since you mentioned the English piece, when we say they should speak English, they're (laughs) over here, they should speak English, or we criticize within our own race, people who don't speak the King James English as if speaking it in a particular way has to be the only way. And so there's subtle things that we do. Internalized racisms when the Black people in the suburbs think they're better than the Black people who live in the inner city or that sort of thing. And so I just want to make sure that our guests, our listeners have some examples of the ways in which this stuff is so very subtle. I've even had um, white people to share with me that if they were the darker ones in their families, how people would talk to them mm. and talk about them. That's how subtle this stuff is and people, you know, not realizing it. So I want to thank you for like just breaking down even the internalized racism and and really sharing also about uh, racism absolutely impacts white 
Latinx, like every single person. And even if it's impacting you in a positive way, like you were saying about the privilege piece. So, so thank you for just sharing that and, and sharing with us the interpersonal piece of that. We have work to do. It is. Um, and, and, you know, the, the importance of that is that it cannot be oversimplified. Your, your point is so valid that let's bring it back to us, right? And which is why I love the book uh, from the inside out. And I struggled with it because um, dismantling racism, but but you forced me to look inside myself in ways that I help others do, but I don't take the time to do it for myself. Wow. And 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 that's so important because. If we understand, you know, when I say complex, we are just complex, period. Mm -hmm. When I go into, so my work is, uh, you know, I I go into different sectors of of the community and it's across industry. We can, we're facilitators in this work. We're educating, we're healing. Um, You know, I've worked with the private sector, with healthcare, with K-12, higher ed, nonprofit, interfaith, municipal government, arts and cultural construction, a brewery, you know, all of these different industries. And one thing is the same that, and this is the third one, the institutional racism Yeah, is that you can bring us in to have a conversation about how to dismantle racism. But if you do not understand that policies and procedures and practices are upheld by people, yes, you're not going to make progress. Mm-hmm. And so for me, do the internal work. Mm-hmm. And I mean that twofold, do the internal work, you as individual, as the leader, mm-hmm. but do the internal work as an organization. Is What is it that you're allowing that is giving um, advantage, right, to some people over others? And, um, and, I, and, I, and I know in, in my experience, I have rejected job offers, really good paying ones. I've had six-figure salaries. And I've dropped $50,000 a year Mm. because I understand that I know my place. I know my value, but I am also a fair person. Right. And Mm -hmm. so if you have a policy and you want to either for tokenism, right. You just want me because I'm the Puerto Rican or that you want to put me um, in a position and, and disregard someone that has been doing it for maybe 10 years more than me, I'm going to teach you a lesson. Yes. And so hiring practices, um, you know, there's there's overt ways of discriminating against groups and what we internalize. Right. Being that first form of racism is going to inform how we work, how we show up in the Mm -hmm. community, how we show up in leadership. And so in institutional racism occurs within systems of power, but it's the people. I like I can't I say that and it sounds so um elementary, but it 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 is the people's. So I know people that you can think of 25 DEI efforts that you want to execute before 2025. And if you have three people that do not believe that racism exists, you're not going to accomplish one of them. That's right. That's right. Absolutely right. 
Well, Eska, we have to take another break. And when we come back, I want you to talk about um, the last form of uh, racism that you talk about in your practice, um, which is systemic racism, and be able to break that down a little bit. So we will be right back after these messages. Thank you. Hey, everybody. It's Tommy D, the nonprofit sector connector, coming at you from my attic. Each week here on talkradio.nyc, I host a program, Philanthropy in Focus. Nonprofits impact us each and every day, and it's my focus to help them amplify their message and tell their story. Listen each week at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time until 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time right here on talkradio.nyc. In a post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be Frank About Health to advocate for all of us. Calling all pet lovers. Pet Avengers, assemble! On the Professionals and Animal Lovers show, we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong. It mirrors that bond between pets and their owners. Through this program, we come together to learn, educate, and advocate. Join us live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. at talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC at www.talkradio.nyc. Now broadcasting 24 hours a day. We are back with the Dismantle Racism show. Before the break, we were talking, Leska, about the various forms of racism that you talk about in your work. Tell me a little bit about the last one. You've talked about internalized racism, interpersonal racism, institutional racism, and now what is the last one? Thank you. So the last one is systemic racism, which sometimes um, you've heard it called as structural racism. And that's really that racial bias amongst institutions. And this is what brings everything together. Um, it's multi-layered. It exists in society. It's, it, it, it includes history. It, it includes cultural. And it's really how these um, systems interact with each other to provide disadvantage um, specifically to people of color or or any other ism, any other group that is uh, oppressed. So historically, we can look at trauma, we can look at banking practices, we can look at red mining, we can look at white supremacy culture. And that normalization, um, and you said it, that white is better, right? And, and, and so if you do not understand that organizations have these systems in place and we have blind spots to um to how this has a relevance in the daily operations of any businesses it could be a two-person business it could be um a a, a three thousand employee uh business 
um, it could be it could be in the community, then that's a problem. So my my work centers around um, making sure that um, it it really does start with systemic because it's one of the things that I often say is this is not caused by you or I, but we have a responsibility to fix it. Yes. Yes. Exactly. So if we know that these four forms exist, I understand who I am. I know that I am part of an institution and an institution doesn't have to be a workplace. It's just, you know, there's many forms of that and that systemically things have been built to oppress, then um, I need to make a change, right? I need to make a change. And, and part of what I would, um, what I would uh, invite your voice also is that if I go back to what does this mean for me, right? Mm-hmm. Going into the starting with the self, what does this mean for me? And it means that um, even as a, a racial equity consultant, um, you know, a diversity advisor, whatever you want to call me, um, I have had to make sacrifices mm-hmm. as as a person, as a human being, in order to do this work. Mm. Sacrifices for me, my son just turned 21. You know, I, I know for a fact that his developing years between maybe nine and 13, I, you know, I worked 70 hours and, 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 and I was pulled in so many directions. You started and, and you shared, like, sometimes we don't even want to go to the supermarket because people are going to unload on you and, um, and, 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 and want, expect you to be a hundred percent present all the time or a fixer, right. Of, of racism. And, uh, and so the sacrifice, um, is a decision that we make mm-hmm. knowing that we, we lose a little bit of ourselves mm. um, in order to continue to, um, to make good. <clears throat> so I have, uh, I've also walked away from uh, opportunities because um, I know that I am in a place that as much as I want to be a disruptor, it is so toxic that it is, it's, it's showering me with weight. And so, yeah, yeah, you you have to know when to walk away from that. Exactly. And I really appreciate you saying that because not every battle is yours to fight. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier about boundaries. And, you know, Waleska, here's what I want to say, because I can really feel you when you talk about your son and knowing that there were parts of his life where you were not available uh, in the way perhaps that you you might have wanted to be available. Um, I I know that we're kindred spirits as it relates to that because I remember when I was first doing this work, um, well for a company when I did it for a company that I was with, I had to travel and I had yeah. to go away from my kids all the time. And sometimes they call me mom, such and such is happening, you know, something that they were upset about. What could I do when I'm miles away from them and they were little mm-hmm. and I don't think that people um really understand that when we do this work those of us who do this work all the time it comes with extreme sacrifices but here's what I want you to know Valeska and I know that you already know this it is what uh makes our kids who they are in the sense of 
how they learn to show up in the world mm -hmm. by watching us do this work. And you know, from reading my book where I share the story okay. of my girls when we're at a protest and they didn't even know my history of doing this. They didn't know what I did when I used to go off and work. They were mm -hmm. like, I don't know what you do. But there obviously was something that they saw in me to say, mom, go up and start this protest. Mm -hmm. And so just know that in the midst of the sacrifices that you have made and are making now, that there are those moments though, mm -hmm. where our kids um, can, can come back to us and just be in deep appreciation. So I just want to thank you as a fellow trainer for staying in this, this work of, of doing this. And and then we also know that sometimes things don't work out as as well either. That, you know, I think about the the kings of the world, right? And and um all those people who their children, what they had to go through. So thank you though for for sharing that and just um know that you are doing some great, great work. And there's one other quick thing that I want to say before we um have to go, and that is when you talked about the book and you talked about the impact that it had on you because you had to say, wow, you know, I, I'm not doing some of this work. It's interesting because I picked up the book this morning and I was looking at the, the last uh, chapter and there's a word that I use in there, incubation. Mm -hmm. Sometimes that when we're going through this, there's an incubation period that we have to wait for and I thought about that because sometimes I want things to move a lot faster than they're moving and I said I guess you wrote this book for you oh. right you know just in that moment it just clicked it's just like when I do a sermon you know you're talking to yourself when you're doing the sermons and so I I just want you to know that as as my kindred sister who's a sojourner in this work these are all the things that we all uh, go through and we are doing good work out here. And I just want to thank you so much for that. So before we have to close, please tell our audience how they can get in touch with you. Uh, I know you have a call to action for them. So will you share that with them? I will. Um, I, I, I have to start by appreciation and uh, and hope that people tune in to talkradio.nyc, uh, continue to support you in the course that you shared earlier. Um, and, and I'm reminded from the book that you said you don't get to opt out, right? We're talking about the four forms of racism, and now that people understand that these systems are built to really continue uh, to oppress. Um, and, and this this has been the right time for me, right? Reading your book, being connected to you, understanding that I'm not the only one. Like sometimes I, I walk and I feel like, you know, is anybody else living this kind of life? Like I don't, I don't slow down. I'm going hundred miles per hour and I'm spinning. And although I consciously know that I have this um, sacred practice as you talked uh, earlier, uh, I, I don't always exercise it. So you've given me an opportunity to pause and to be reminded of that. Um, what I want to say for the call to action is that uh, think about your listeners. I want them to think about what you have internalized as, as a person, what your history is, 
what, what, um, how are you affected? How are you coping with that? And then be reminded that what affects one of us affects all of us, right? We are all affected by this. And, and, and I'll give my website, it's uh, www.inclusive-strategies.com. Uh, I'm also on LinkedIn by my full name, Waleka Lugo de Jesus. Um, and, uh, and, and I want to thank you for this gratifying honor to, to, to be doing this work. Um, and, and my, because we are talking about the starting with the self, my hope is that people take care of themselves first and then each other. Yes. Thank Thank you. you. Thank you so much. I am so excited uh, just that you were on the show today. I'm grateful for you. I'm grateful to you, my listeners, for being here today. I want to invite you to stay tuned for the Conscious Consultant Hour with Sam Leibowitz, where he helps you to walk through life with the greatest of ease and joy. May today you tap into that sacred part of you that allows you to make choices that manifest the good in you and those around you. Know that we are all one and exist because of one another. Make it a priority to share love, hope, compassion, and peace today. Be well, be safe, be encouraged. Until next time, bye for now. business owner? Do you want to be a business owner? Do you work with business owners? Hi, I'm Stephen Fry, your small and medium-sized business or SMB guy, and I'm the host of the new show, Always Friday. While I love to have fun on my show, we take those Friday feelings of freedom and clarity to discuss popular topics on the minds of SMBs today. Please join me and my various special guests on Friday at 11 a.m. on talkradio.nyc. on edge hey we live in challenging edgy times so let's lean in i'm sandra bargeman the host of the edge of every day which airs each monday at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc tune in live with me and my friends and colleagues as we share stories and perspectives about pushing boundaries and exploring our rough edges that's the edge of every day on mondays at 7 p.m eastern time on talkradio.nyc all pet lovers pet avengers assemble on the professionals and animal lovers show we believe the bond between animal lovers is incredibly strong it mirrors that bond between pets and their owners through this program we come together to learn educate and advocate join us live every wednesday at 2 p.m at talkradio.nyc post-COVID world, you may have many unanswered questions regarding your health. Are you looking to live a healthier lifestyle? Do you have a desire to learn more about mental health and enhance your quality of life? Or do you just want to participate in self-understanding and awareness? 
I'm Frank R. Harrison, host of Frank About Health, and each Thursday, I will tackle these questions and work to enlighten you. Tune in every Thursday at 5 p.m. on talkradio.nyc, and I will be frank about health to advocate for all of us. Are you passionate about the conversation around racism? Hi, I'm Reverend Dr. TLC, host of the Dismantle Racism Show, which airs every Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern on talkradio.nyc. Join me and my amazing guests as we discuss ways to uncover, dismantle, and eradicate racism. That's Thursdays at 11 o'clock a.m. on talkradio.nyc. You're listening to Talk Radio NYC. Uplift, educate, empower. 